0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello, welcome to session 283 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you are doing awesome and having a great day. So today's podcast session is a topic that I nerdily get excited about. I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but if I didn't, if I had not created Selling the Couch, I was actually thinking about creating a personal finance blog. And uh, so this topic of what we're going to be talking about, and the topic is how to invest intelligently, is uh, one that I think a lot about and. I'm still learning about, and I feel like it's one of those topics where the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. And uh, today's session is with Dave Frank. Dave is a certified financial planner. His website is over at turningpointhq.com. And Dave and I connected a few months ago and really just hit it off. And his his, his business focuses on working specifically with therapists in private practice, manage their retirement and sort of their financial lives. And uh, one of the things I just really appreciated about Dave is just he was just so real and genuine. And uh, those are the folks that I definitely want to have on the podcast. And so we are talking about a number of different things today. So the very first thing is just looking at, you know, some of the information and misinformation out there when it comes to investing, particularly during the pandemic. There, you know, For a lot of folks that have struggled during this pandemic, there's been a number of folks who have made a lot of money. And with that brings a lot of confusion. And so we're starting off by just talking about, you know, what's the best strategy or what's like a good strategy for the vast majority of us? Then we're talking about what Dave calls the silent thief, which is uh, this idea of inflation and why it's actually a good idea to invest in the stock market. And then we go into kind of two different scenarios. So if you're just starting out and starting to invest and starting to save, like what, where should you start? And then more specifically, if you're a solo practitioner, you're a group practitioner, what are some options that are available as business owners in terms of retirement? And then we wrap up with a brief conversation on cryptocurrency this uh, for I, I know for most of us we followed the news in terms of the the craziness that may be happening in the crypto market and does investing in cryptocurrency make sense I actually ran across this article recently that said for the average millennial about twenty five percent of their retirement portfolio is in cryptocurrency and I was like man that's crazy and uh, yeah so we're wrapping up with that. Topic. And before we do get to today's podcast session, just wanted to take a moment to thank Online Course School. Online Course School is actually a product that I am creating, and it's actually my second online course that's launching next year. And instead of just being a traditional digital course, we're actually doing it as a live cohort based course. I know that many of us want to create an online course, and we get really excited, uh, whether it is just to diversify income beyond traditional one-on-one work or to share our message and to share our knowledge with the larger audience. If any of those reasons really resonate for you, I just wanted to encourage you to download a free A to Z online course guide I put together. It contains many of the lessons that I've learned over the past six years from uh, growing my Healthcasters podcasting course from a $297 first sale to uh, hitting the 200,000 revenue mark this year, which is crazy and uh, super humbling. You can download that guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And then right after that, you'll get an email with a brief survey that'll tell you a little bit more about online course goal because part of my intent is to really structure in a way that's helpful for you. launching an online course. You can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here is my conversation with Dave Frank from turningpointhq.com. Hey Dave, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin,
1: I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about investments.
0: Yeah, this is a topic that we have nerdily talked about. <laughs> behind <the scenes. laughs> Yeah. I mean, even thinking through, like, there's so many things that we could be talking about. Even we even thought about what if we do an entire episode just on cryptocurrencies, right? Right. But I think, at least for me, I realized, man, there's a lot of stuff I'm still learning about this. And hopefully this maybe will be a future episode, but I thought, you know, it would be a good conversation because I know that many of us are thinking about retirement and perhaps even just like thinking about like the whole world of, you know, investing and how do you do this? I mean, there's, we've talked about this privately, right? Like there's so much information out there and it's super intimidating. And it's not like exactly we learned this in grad school about, you know, yeah, this, right. So Grateful for the conversation we're going to have today.
1: Yeah, super grateful and and honored to be here. This is, it's an important topic. It's one that I find super interesting and love educating people about because you're right. It's so confusing and overwhelming. And yeah, like not only do therapists not learn about this, hardly anyone learns about this in any formal sense. And so it's easy to get overwhelmed and to tune into the louder voices out there, which I believe often offer the least helpful advice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, I mean, that's right. Like one thing I often think about is, man, it would have just been so helpful, even like high school or undergrad or grad school just to have like a course on this stuff, right? Just to learn because it's such a valuable skill. I mean, to know and to understand. So yeah, you spoke about this. uh, You started to speak about it, but there is, there's a ton of like misinformation about Uh, out there when it comes to investing. And there's a lot of like these like get rich quick type opportunities, especially during this pandemic. I mean, we were talking about this before, like even this whole like crypto market. I mean, just the surges that have happened during this, even the surge in the stock market that's happened during this pandemic, right? You shared with me that investing for the long term is passively managed. One of the best ways to invest, long-term is a passively managed, low-cost and tax-efficient mutual fund or an ETF. Right. Is what makes sense for pretty much everyone. I was just wondering if you could even expand on some of that, like passively managed, low-cost, tax-efficient, what mutual fund ETF, like, like wherever you want to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's already, there's so many confusing and difficult to understand terms in there. And it's easy to be like, oh God, that's that's just too much for me. Like I'm I'm already tuning out. And I think what's what's really important to remember, and what, you know, if, if people get one thing out of listening to this episode, it's that the best investment strategy, especially when we're talking about saving for something like retirement, which for most of us is tw- 20, 30, maybe more years out, investing for retirement is something that you do in a very uh, simple way. Like it can be super, super simple. And what I mean by that is. Uh, passive investing. Okay. What the heck does passive investing even mean? So actually I I would take a step back and say, let's talk about, you know, what investing actually is and what it isn't. So I think we invest to help us meet longer term goals like retirement, the pay for the funding of children's educations, things like that. And we do that uh, for the reason we invest is, is twofold really first, such that we can continue to keep up with inflation and we can talk more about what inflation is. But inflation basically means that the, the purchasing power of our dollar declines a little bit every year. So investing in the stock market is one way to ensure that our purchasing power is, is maintained over the longer term. And the second thing we want to do is we hope that our investments grow even faster than inflation so that our purchasing power will expand over time and that we can reach those important life goals, that we can fund those important life goals even more quickly than we might otherwise be able to do. And so the tool to do that is investing. And I like to distinguish between investing and gambling. Like We all know what gambling is, right? We can fly to Vegas. We can throw a bunch of money on black number seven or whatever the heck it is. I'm not a gambler, so I don't really know what I'm talking about there. And we all...
0: I don't so that's why I'm just like nodding because I have no idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, like. Hopefully, I said something that kind of makes sense. But we all know, like, it's not. We're not likely to succeed there, right? Like, we might make hit it rich, but more than likely, it's entertainment. We're just kind of we're spending some money on entertainment. We don't consider it an investment, and the way a lot of times that investing is portrayed or the stock market is portrayed is like you have to know all the details. You have to pick a, a winning individual stock. You have to know when to invest, when to pull your money back out. You have to know these technical terms and all the sophisticated stuff. And none of that is true, in my opinion. It's Really investing is, so that's really gambling. So it's like, if we're going to invest in the market one day and expect our money to double, triple or whatever in a short time frame, like a, a day, a week, a co- even a couple months, that's really gambling because no one knows what's going to happen in the future. We can't predict the future. Investing in contrast is saying, okay, I don't know specifically what the future holds. I don't know what any individual company is going to do. You know, a a company that starts today could be the next Google or it could be bankrupt tomorrow. I have no idea. And so passive investing says we don't know specifically what's going to happen in the future. And we know when we look at like a century worth, 100 years worth of, of past results, we know that the stock market has always tended to appreciate pretty substantially over time. And people that buy in the industry, in the financial industry, we call it buying and holding. So you invest and then you just hold that investment and you just hold it over time. So we're just investing in a very diverse uh, way uh, for a long time. And then that will allow us to you know, experience the growth. And so what we're, we're not betting on any individual company. We're really betting on long-term the ingenuity and resilience of humankind is really the way I look at it. So I, I've said a lot there. I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to sort of jump in and we can clarify some of these points.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I love how you're sharing about it because I think, so a couple of things, like one one question I had was, again, this might be really silly, but what's like the, I guess, how much, the inflation, like, what's the percentage, like, minimum that you should be, like, aiming, like, in terms of getting a return, right? So you are like above inflation, right? Like,
1: yeah, great. No, that's a great question. It's not silly at all. So I think, well, not I think the long term, like, again, over a hundred years, the long term average for inflation in the U.S. has been about three percent. So what does that actually mean? That means that three percent year in, year out. That means over the course of about three decades or 30 years, that prices will roughly double. So that means if, um, I don't know, a gallon of milk costs $3 today, 30 years from now, that gallon of milk is going to cost $6. So that's why, even though it it might feel really safe to keep all of our money in a checking account or a banking account that's maybe earning a very, very low rate of interest a rate of interest below that 3% inflation rate, over the long term, keeping money in a bank account like that actually isn't that safe because we know that the purchasing power of those funds will decline over time. And so what do we want to do? Like we, we want to aim, <laughs> I mean, I love your question. It's, it's a hard one to answer. Like we want to aim for a certain level of return, but I can't tell you exactly what Percentage return you should be looking for or evaluating on a year-to-year basis. We know that the S and P 500, which is a, it's just one, it's it's a benchmark uh, of just like 500 very large companies in the U.S. that are publicly traded on the stock markets. Like we know that over the long term, again, 100 years, the S and P 500 returns about 10% on average. So that's really good. That's a lot higher than the 3% inflation. And the thing about that is, is that when we look at that average, any individual year can be wildly higher than 10%, like 40, 50%. And that's great. And it can also be wildly lower. Like the stock market can decline 50% or 30% in the year. So I don't want, ideally, I wouldn't want people to Really focus on what percentage invest, uh, what percentage return rather that they're getting in any individual year. Rather, I want them to think through what are my goals? Why am I investing this money? And if it's retirement and that's 10, 20, 30 years in the future, we make an investment through mutual funds and ETFs, as you mentioned earlier, that matches our time horizon. And there's some great mutual fund providers out there that we can talk about that sort of will automatically allocate our investment portfolio such that it has amount of risk appropriate for what our time horizon is. And then the investment returns will just sort of naturally fall out of that. There's no guarantee that any investment will ever outpace inflation. And yet, we know that the long- term data supports investing in stocks and bonds in a balanced and diversified way will allow us to grow our money over time and keep up more than keep up with the pace of inflation.
0: uh yeah, there's such like such like good stuff there. I wanted to make sure like folks that are listening they're always like we're on the same page. So what exactly is a mutual fund?
1: Yes. Great question. (laughs) So if we back up for a second, uh, let's just talk about you know what the stock market is, and maybe what the bond market is. So the the stock market. So there's these different things called asset classes. So uh, stocks are one particular type of asset class. Bonds are another type. And then there's other asset classes like real estate and even cryptocurrencies and things like that. But the I'm just going to we're going to keep things very simple because I think simple is the way to win in investing for most people. So let's just talk about what stocks and bonds are. So stocks. Another word for that is is equities. And what is equity? Equity represents the ownership in a certain company. So if you think about, um, if you're an owner of a private practice, you are the sole owner, you own 100% of the equity of your private practice. And as the owner, as the equity holder, what are you entitled to from a financial perspective? You're entitled to the profits that you earn every year are you guaranteed profits? You're not. Of course, like you could have a really financially successful year and get a lot of profits or you could have a real challenging year and maybe make close to no profits. So that's exactly what owning stocks is like. Instead of owning 100% of a certain company, you're owning a tiny tiny sliver of a company. So that's what a stock represents. And then on bonds on the other hand are you're you're lending money to private companies and we often call bonds fixed income because the amount of money that you get back from a bond and investment is fixed. You get back uh, the money that you lent, we call that the principal, and you get back an interest payment for, um, and that's what the company gives you interest as, as you know, that's just the price they pay for borrowing your money. So those are the two big asset classes: equities or stocks and bonds or fixed income. Now, you could go out and buy individual stocks of like Google, Apple, what have you. You could buy those individual stocks. You could do the same thing on the bond side. You could buy individual bonds for Google or Apple or whomever out there is is in the bond market. Or, um, and I, I generally don't advocate that for people. I don't do that myself. In contrast, what you could do is you can invest in a mutual fund or an ETF. And mutual fund and ETFs have some technical differences, but for our purposes, those technical differences aren't important. They are basket, they are secure. You make an investment into a mutual fund. So you can buy a share of a mutual fund or a share of an ETF. And that mutual fund in turn holds Thousands, in many cases, thousands and thousands of different individual company stocks and individual company bonds. And so what that allows you to do is to be super, super diversified through a single investment. And that diversification is important because diversified investing is what the data shows is most likely to produce positive investment returns over the long term.
0: Right. So I guess said another way, uh, diversifying across all of these companies mitigates if, for example, one of these companies goes bankrupt. Exactly. Or like, I guess it's, it's a different way of looking at it, right? Like for every, I think sometimes we hear these stories of like, man, if you had put this much money into this company stock, like this many years ago, you could have gotten six times a return, right? Whatever, right? Yep. What I hear is for every one of those companies that does that, there's probably at least one of those companies that looks like it is like the next Google or the next Amazon, whatever it is, they bankrupt overnight. I mean, even I was talking to my, well, I mean, even just like bring this home, I was talking to my, I was talking to a family member the other the other week about this and they were talking about, I forgot the company already, but like if they had invested in Google versus this other company and they had put, they had actually bought individual stocks and they actually invested in the other company and the other company went like bankrupt and they lost like a significant amount of money. And yeah, I was like, man, yeah, that's, I think is like a big, that was like a big, like eye-opening thing for me. And I'm, I'm a big fan of like index funds as well. And so I wanted to ask about that a couple of things. Do you have any like favorite sort of index funds that, that you really like? And then you also, you had mentioned like just about like where to, you know, where you can, whether it's like the Fidelity's, Vanguard's, whatever it is, like any of like favorite ones for you?
1: Yeah. So I I have to say uh, my favorite is really Vanguard. I, you know, th- there are there are a lot of different Really good mutual funds out there that are passively managed. That um, passively managed one one type of a passive investment, as you mentioned, is a is an index fund or something that just tracks an index. S and P five hundred being one of the more popular index funds or indexes out there to track. And you know, uh, Fidelity has some great funds. There's a lot of other providers, but just to keep things simple, I really like Vanguard. They are they really were the they they broke the ground in this space. Like they were really the first company that said, you know what, individual investors deserve access to these highly diversified, low-cost, tax-efficient mutual funds. And so they've been in this game for decades now. I think they were founded sometime in the 1970s. And They make it really simple. And I think the best way to get started, if this all sounds overwhelming and intimidating, is go to Vanguard and they have these things called target date funds. And they're primarily designed for uh, retirement. And what you will do is you just say, look, this is about my age. This is about how many years I have until retirement. And then Vanguard will say, great, you should be in the Vanguard target date 2040 or 2050 or 2030 fund. And that 2030, 2040, that Marks uh, the time when you would enter into retirement and then Vanguard just automatically uses their highly diversified mutual funds to construct an investment portfolio that is appropriate for your time horizon. And that is just, you know, is, is that the perfect solution for anyone? Probably not, right? Like, it's probably not going to be the perfect solution, but it is a very, very good solution for almost everyone, even if it is slightly suboptimal. And like, we always want to get investments perfect and right. And it's just not possible. I think these very good solutions are just like the best way to get started.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even just sharing a little bit. So, I'm a big Vanguard person, and that's where we have all of our retirement. And I, and this is something. at least my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong. So right now, like we just have it in like, it's a hundred percent. Like it's not a target fund, right? Like we invest in, I think VDSAX, which is like the total market index fund for Van. Yes. Yep. So, and that's where I put like month after month, just put the money. But I, I think down the line, what I'll do is, you know, as we get closer to retirement, perhaps I'll maybe switch to a target fund because part of the issue is, right. This is like a hundred percent stocks, right. There's like no, bonds in that allocation. Right. So basically at least correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm still like learning a lot of this stuff, but as you get closer to retirement, you should have more bonds in your portfolio, right? Because they are less volatile and yeah. Yeah. You kind of want to get more conservative as you get closer to retirement.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Great point. I'm glad glad you brought that up. So yeah, that the, the Vanguard fund you mentioned is, is an awesome fund. It's super diversified. I I I think it's like a great fund to use. And it actually is one of the primary components of the Vanguard target date funds. And so what you said is exactly right. We invest in equities for maximum long term growth and appreciation of the investment. And that's great but it comes at a price and that price is the volatility that we can see year to year even day to day even minute to minute sometimes that the value of those investments is going to dramatically fluctuate up and down just in march in the beginning of the march 2020 in the beginning of the pandemic you know stocks in general went down like 30% overnight so i mean that was it was scary right like it was really scary and as you get closer to needing those investments to live off of in retirement, uh, as, as one example of when you might need and uh, funds from investments to live off of, we want to shift some of the allocation towards bonds or fixed income. And those offer a lower rate of return and the benefit we get from receiving a lower rate of return is greater stability or less volatility. So that bond component will help dampen the volatility. We won't see such dramatic drops when the market is down. And equally, we won't see such dramatic increases when the market is up. And that's okay because we want more stability as we get older.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I wanted to uh, just shift a little bit and- yeah. Uh paint a couple of different scenarios because I feel our time is like flying by here. <laughs> We're like nerding out on this stuff here. I know, right? <laughs> totally. So uh really practical stuff. So let's say someone's listening and they're just getting started with saving and investing, right? And they don't know what to do, how to begin. Dave, what should I do?
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, just keeping it simple, I would suggest just sort of going to Vanguard and begin poking around there. Now, the, the big question that everyone would, and again, just to keep things as simple as possible, there are more sophisticated DI, do it yourself ways to go about this. But like, I just, I really like the target date funds because it just removes so many decisions. That might not be the perfect long term strategy for anyone, but just get started there. Just invest in a target date fund and just get get started there. the The first question you'll get in, uh, get asked though is, well, is this supposed to be re- a retirement account like an IRA or something? Or do I just put this in an ordinary um, taxable brokerage account? Is the lingo in the finance industry? And the short answer there is I would say it, it, it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> just get started with investing. I think I, I do really encourage people to start saving to a retirement account um, as soon as they possibly can. And we don't want to immediately put all of our money into a retirement account because then we don't have access to it. So we always want to make sure that we've got like an emergency fund of maybe three to six months of our expenses saved in a checking account where that money won't grow, but it also won't decline. It won't be subject to the volatility of the stock market. And then once we have that base, starting to invest in a retirement account and starting to invest in a brokerage account um, are, are both good options. And the important thing to remember is if you if you fund a retirement account, like you just open a traditional IRA as one example, a lot of people think if they just contribute to that fund, they're automatically invested in the stock market. And in most cases, that isn't true. When you just fund the retirement account, the money just goes and sits in the equivalent of a checking account, and it might not be earning any interest at all. So you need to make that subsequent step of electing in an investment. And again, really the easiest way to do is just start with a target date fund, start building up some money. And then after a couple of years or whatever time feels right to you, begin to evaluate, all right, do I, do I want to approach this in a different way? Is the way the target date fund is allocating my investments, what really feels right for me, given what I want to accomplish and given where I am in my life? Um, and there's a lot of different resources you can use to help figure that out. But I just really want people to simplify things and just get started uh, because there's so much power invest- in investing over the long-term.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like, yeah, definitely time is like a huge factor in all of this, right? Because it sort of smooths out that volatility. Exactly. Right. As much as possible. So even taking this a little bit deeper, someone like there's a bunch of these different options, right? Like solo 401ks, like all of these things that are available to private practitioners, right? As for your business. Right. So again, what are some options that are like, if someone's like a solo practitioner, what's like an op, what are some options that are available? Uh, I know there's like SEPs as well. What if someone's like a group practice owner? I mean, like what are options that are available? And I guess what are sort of things that folks should be thinking about? Like,
1: yeah, great, great question. So Being a small business owner is great because it opens up so many more options in terms of what is available to you in terms of creating a retirement plan. And having options means you have a whole bunch more complexity to navigate and the potential overwhelm that comes with it. So the way I think about it, if you're just getting started and you're looking to save in any given year, in the first year, say, if you want to save $6,000 or less towards retirement, and that is a, you know, under six grand is a great place to begin. Then you can just open an individual IRA. And you can do that through Vanguard, as an example, or many other financial institutions. And that is totally unrelated to your practice, to your small business. It's just you're opening it as an individual. If you want to save a little bit more than $6,000, As a small business owner, you've got great options. The two options that I think are best for most people are either a SEP IRA or a solo or individual 401k. And so the two things to keep in mind about retirement accounts are uh, the two, er like it's in general you almost can't make a wrong decision. Like you don't have to pick like a SEP IRA or get it perfect. And with a few very small exceptions, you can roll over the funds from one type of retirement to account or another. So don't worry about getting a perfect solution for the rest of your life. The two things you do want to be really careful about are make sure that you're not over-contributing to the retirement account and the IRS website will have all the rules around that. So make sure that you're not over-contributing because there can be real big penalties associated with that. And the second thing to keep in mind is that if you have a group practice, if you have employees, if you have any employee who isn't your spouse, your legally married spouse, then you need to be very careful that you don't exclude those employees from the retirement plan that you're creating. So a SEP IRA, a 401k, those can both be, the term is sponsored. So your small business would sponsor that retirement plan. And there are a lot of rules that you need to follow to make sure you're not discriminating against those non um, those employees who aren't you. So if you have employees, that is a really good time to work with. Um, a lot of times you can work with your payroll provider, your payroll vendor, and they'll help you think through what options might be. But if you If it's just you or you and your spouse that are employed in the business, then you can open a solo 401k. The differences between a SEP IRA and a solo 401k, there are a lot of technical details, but the real difference is that the SEP IRA will allow you to contribute roughly 20% of your earnings in any given year there's some other restrictions, but roughly 20%, the solo 401k will allow you to contribute even more. Um, so if you're looking to really maximize how much money you put into a retirement account in any given year, um, a 401k um, is a good option. But if you're just getting started, a traditional IRA is, is going to serve you just fine.
0: Yeah, that's a great, um, great points. I mean, even, I, I love the fact that you said, you know, you can like always switch because I remember at least, you know, for, for selling the couch for the, you know, for the business, I started with the SEP and then I was, and then I did some more research and I switched to a solo 401k all on in Vanguard, by the way, that's not sponsored by Vanguard. <laughs> I think we just, uh, just wanted to clarify that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. That's a good
0: point. Yeah. You know, I, I just think they do, they provide a really good service and they've always been helpful. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, I switched to a solo 401k, but then I realized like, and I don't know if this is like a newer thing, but like. I have actually a raw solo 401k. So yeah, which is like it's just pretty cool. I mean, the short version is, you know, you pay the taxes up front on that money and then the money grows tax free. Um, so that was like a, a cool thing. And that was part of my rationale for switching to 401k is wanting to try to maximize that, you know, especially yeah, maximize that we could put aside a retirement. So yeah. Dave, I, I can't believe our time has flown by, but I did want to ask you.
1: <laughs> I know it has,
0: right? A final question, though, yeah, maybe this will be a whole other conversation for another time, but this whole cryptocurrency market is emerging. I mean, there seems to be some pretty rich opportunities there, I mean, especially during this pandemic. I mean, like some of these like currencies i mean they were gosh, the rate of return like six ten x i mean i I you know it seems really volatile, it seems it has a very like wild, wild west kind of feel to it. Uh, what are your thoughts about whether it makes sense for a therapist to invest a portion of their retirement into crypto?
1: Great question. So let me just say, I have no idea what's going to happen to crypto. Anyone who tells you otherwise, in my humble opinion, is either being dishonest with you or just has um, an artificially inflated sense of their own ability to predict the future. We have no idea what's going to happen. Does it make sense to invest a small portion of your overall investment portfolio in crypto? Sure. it's. I think it's fine if you're a real big believer in crypto and the blockchain. I'd say go for it. In in general, I say up to 10% of your overall investment portfolio. If you really enjoy kind of quote unquote gambling in the stock market and investing in individual companies, take 10% of your portfolio and go do that. If you want to allocate that 10% to crypto, Go ahead and do it. Just know that it's a very, very high risk proposition. It could, you know, in the lingo of, of crypto enthusiasts, I think it's like it could go to the moon, right? Or it could crash to zero. And, you know, big enthusiasts think it's going to go to the moon. And who knows? They might be right. But I just I think of crypto, it's, it's kind of like an active investment strategy of looking for that next Google and thinking that Bitcoin is going to be the next Google or Ethereum is going to be the next Google. Could it be? Yeah, sure. It could be, but I don't think anyone knows. So I think, yeah, absolutely go for it if you're a big proponent of it, but unless you really want to, like you don't have to, don't think you're missing out on anything by not being smart or knowing all the ins and outs of crypto or investing it. I really feel, I I really see it's like an option.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great way of looking at it and, you know, I'll definitely share more in like future episodes, but yeah, we, put some money right around when the pandemic was starting, probably like two months in into cryptocurrencies. But again, it was like 5% of our total, you know, sort of portfolio. You know, I saw it like start to go to the moon and then I saw it crash and I was like, okay, this is enough for me. I'm not putting any more money and I'm just going to hold it for like 20, 25, 30 years and just see where it goes, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, definitely a conversation for future. Dave, I'm just so grateful for you, grateful for our friendship. Where can where can we learn more about you? And uh, please tell us about some of the services that you provide for therapists. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah,
1: so I am a financial planner and I'm the founder of a company called Turning Point Financial Life Planning. And what I do and what Turning Point does is we specialize in helping therapists with their money. And yes, investing is an important part of your financial life, your financial picture, and it is just one part. There are so many other things, especially as a small business owner, you need to navigate. And that's really what I help my clients do. So uh, the way I say it is like, I use the tools of financial planning to help people grow their impact and build lives that they love, because I think that's what financial planning um, is all about. It's helping, it's really facilitating the folks I work with move through financial worry, anxiety, and uncertainty, and move towards aligning their financial resources to help them live the lives they. Want to be uh, living, so I nerd out on this stuff. I love talking about it. I could talk about it literally all day long. If people want to learn more about me, uh, the best place to do that is to go to my website. It's Turning Point Uh, hq.com. So a turning point like HQ being the abbreviation for headquarters. And an awesome way to work with me is I offer a, what I call a quick start coaching intensive, where you fill out a questionnaire. We have about a 90 minute conversation and we just identify the key things you can be changing or doing in your financial life to really empower you and get you moving forward in the right direction. And as a special uh, offer to all your listeners, I mean, I've been a huge fan of the podcast for years and I'm super excited to be here. So um, I'm offering 20% off the Of that coaching intensive for any listener, uh, just use the promo code STC, and we'll go from there.
0: Perfect, Dave. Uh, Really, I'm grateful for you know just one the services that you provide. I feel like money is just so intimidating for many of us, and yeah, grateful just to have good people um, that are guiding us. And so, yeah, thank you so much for for taking the time and uh, really uh, really grateful for our friendship.
1: Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. It's 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 been a pleasure, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super grateful for our friendship as well.
0: Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave and especially if the world of investment has felt really intimidating and really scary. I hope that today's podcast session has just been really helpful for you. I forgot to mention this on the podcast session, but one of my most favorite books when it comes to investing is is a book by Jim Collins and it's uh, it's called The Simple Path to Wealth and uh it's one of i mean i read a lot of personal finance i read a lot of like investing kind of books and i i feel like that's that book it just explains things in just a simple way and the author is also a big fan of like index funds he actually wrote that book was inspired by letters that he wrote to his teenage daughter who had zero interest in in investing and so he's, you know, the author is a little bit older. And so just gave a lot of like, really good piece of advice. So wanted to at least uh, share that with you as well. As I was reflecting on this conversation with Dave, one, I, I felt like, you know, when I started, this was planning for this episode, I was like, you know, what, these are the topics that I want to sort of hit. And you realize the world of investing is just, it's big, right. And I think the one thing I took away is sometimes the most simple things right are kind of the best things and this is even something that you know i've struggled with right like we have a very basic like i don't invest really in individual stocks i just we just invest in btsax and there's always this part of me i'm like am i you know being bold enough or crafty enough or is this the best solution and it was just really good and empowering to hear from dave that hey that makes sense for the vast majority of us Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 283. Again, as we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank Online Course School for supporting this month's podcast session. As I mentioned, Online Course School is my second online course. And instead of a digital version, at least the first several versions actually is going to be a live cohort. Uh, I feel like there's so much information out there in terms of how to create a successful online course. But ultimately, I think what stops a lot of us from creating a successful one is just having that accountability and just being able to do it with other like-minded people. And so Online Course School is specifically designed for therapists in private practice, as well as therapists turned coaches and consultants. It's just an opportunity for us to gather over the course of, I'm still trying to figure out the exact structure, but Uh, What I'm envisioning is the course of six weeks and each week we will meet for one, uh, we'll meet twice each week and during the first meeting, it will be a topic where I'll just teach on a certain thing, for example, how to craft a sales page for your online course, or how to record your online course, uh, both using budget friendly software and hardware as well as more uh, higher end software and, and hardware. And then the second part of that week will be just a dedicated work time where we'll gather together, break up into pods, answer and give feedback to each other so that we can just by the end of the six weeks, you'll have a clear outline of how to structure your course, you'll have your sales page pretty much generated as well. You can learn more about online course school by downloading the online course guide over at signthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your week and I will see you next time. Bye.